104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Here we are on a steamy, I mean a steamy Sunday. It's like you open the door, you walk outside, and you've walked into a wall, and Ned Reynolds has got a big smile on his face because that makes him really happy. <laughs> you like the steamy weather, don't you, sir? You're a wuss, Joe. Come oh, on. Oh, wow. Right out of the gate? It is perfect weather. It's summer number one. We're about to go into July. You expect the humidity, and yes, I will admit to you, us old people don't hurt, well, don't hurt quite as bad when it's warm. <laughs> Right. Throwing down the gauntlet, first second to the show. I'm Joe Weston, by the way. Already insulted. That was Ned Reynolds. The insulter. The insulter. John Oliver is here with us. John, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm not doing as well with the heat like I used to. So I wilt uh, like I do. Yeah, I need to have like a Gatorade IV or something. <laughs> Gatorade. I, I can't stand. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Wait, not a big fan of sports drinks. <laughs> I don't really like them. Too much electrolytes. Uh, it makes me shaky. <laughs> Josh Roberts, how are you, sir? Oh, I, I sleep in a meat locker, so walking, <laughs> yeah. out, walking outside for me is is not good. Yeah, I like I, I like the cold. I do I like, enjoy I like, cold. I like the I like the air conditioning. I have to admit to that. I do like the sun though. I mean it's it's awesome that it's you know, we're in the summer. But the heat, yeah, I can I can take it. My I friend can. Katie uh, posted on her Facebook page a couple of weeks ago. About how she's in a relationship with air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> she loves it. So. Let's start out with uh, what we've talked about the last couple of weeks. Sticky stuff in baseball. And uh, nobody's been ejected so far. No, uh, Nobody's been kicked out of any games. But there's been some huge theatrics. And I guess the, the, the place to begin is with your... Your Phillies, uh, um, Max Scherzer, you know, yeah, tell us Joe, about that. Joe Girardi got into it, uh, well, Max Scherzer and Joe Girardi got into it with each other because, you know, the manager can ask, mm-hmm. that's part of the rules, the manager can ask the umpire to check. Umpires can do it on their own and usually do it on their own, but a manager can challenge, and Girardi challenged Scherzer and challenged him to no avail because Scherzer did not mm-hmm. apparently have any clandestine sticky stuff with him at all. And quite frankly, in my opinion, this is just a lot of rubbish. Mm. And that isn't the problem with baseball. Baseball does have a problem, yes. And we've talked about this before. But it's the fact that hitters are being taught the wrong tactics. Pitchers, yeah, we, we've talked about the pitchers. They're, they're taught to throw strong and hard. Velocity is what you're looking for. And that in and of itself is a point of conjecture. But it's the hitters who are the big problem. And I told these guys earlier, Joe, Mike Schmidt, who I have a lot of respect for, one of the all-time greats, Hall of Famer, said yesterday the very same thing. It's the hitters, the lack of technique in proper hitting. And you yourself pointed it out just a short time ago in a fan reaction or fans' reaction to a poll pointing out the foibles, so to speak, in baseball. Well, Major League Baseball and all their infinite wisdom, Rob Manfred has put together a uh, team of people to look at baseball and see what's wrong with it. Theo Epstein's part of this team, uh, who I don't think that that's a great choice because he's a sabermetrics guy, he's a Bill James guy. By the way, we're saying names here, in case you're not familiar with them, Theo Epstein was the uh, general manager of the Cubs. He was general manager of the Boston Red Sox. He um, uh, is a Bill James disciple. Bill James is the author, more or less, of the ideal of sabermetrics, which is 
breaking down Major League Baseball statistics to the meta level and trying to determine how players play the game. And he is basically responsible for the war statistic, which is the most worthless statistic in all sports. How do you even measure that? Uh, he's basically responsible for shifts. He's basically responsible for a lot of things that are wrong with the game today. And just, in all, you know, all four of us here kind of share the opinion about it because it's hard to watch baseball games. A really mm-hmm. exciting matchup this this last week. Padres-Dodgers, 31 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. 31 strikeouts in a nine-inning game. That is not exciting for fans to watch. No. No, no it's no. It is also not, in my opinion, not necessarily a a praising point, a point of uh, cheering from the the rooftops about how good pitching is. I think it's how bad hitting Mm -hmm. is because, again, they're not playing contact baseball. That's what baseball is all about, putting runners on base, moving them, getting them in scoring position. I also think, gang, that if you had that, you'd see a lot more quick, exciting baseball than you do now with Individuals going for, I know, chicks dig the long boy. That's a lot of foolishness. Well, going back to what we were talking about, one of the things that this committee has done is they put out a a survey at Major League Baseball ballparks and asked fans what it is they want to see. And the top three responses were triples, doubles, stolen bases. Mm -hmm. Strikeouts and home runs were not on that list. Right. And nobody steals bases anymore. No. Except and, for Whit Merrifield. Yeah, and, and there's <laughs> just a few. You don't see triples like you used to, and doubles are, you know, not as exciting as they used to be. There's a lot of guys pull up in doubles these days. Yeah, there's a couple of aspects to this that bother me. Number one, say what you will about Joe Girardi. I'll leave my personal feelings out of it, but there's a level of gamesmanship with checking Scherzer at that point. The excuse was one of the lamest I heard after the game. Well, he went to his hair. I've never seen Scherzer do that. Well, yeah, he went to his hair to get sweat. You've got to grip the ball with something. That sweat's not illegal. And then my other thing I want to point back to, we talked about this extensively on the show before, and I think people just aren't getting this. It is the hitters. My prime example, and I will beat this into the ground, is with shifts, there is a very easy way to stop shifts in Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball, these are the elite hitters. You can't lay a bunt down the third baseline. You can't go opposite way. Teach hitting, not launch angles, not velocity. Teach hitting. Exactly. Exactly. That's a, that's a huge thing. Josh is our casual baseball fan. <laughs> Have you casually watched any baseball games this year? Do you? Is, how's your casual relationship with baseball? It's it's even more casual this year. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I've tried to keep up with what's going on and and here's you know ha- always having been a casual fan i remember some great i remember going to see cardinal games in the 80s with with whitey herzog as the manager and and their style of play i remember seeing the george brett era of the royals in person those those games were not they were exciting not because people were hitting home runs they were exciting because they were playing great baseball and and so i get that you know People like to see. The, I mean, it's glamorous to hit a home run. It's it's glamorous for a, a a pitcher to get a bunch of strikeouts. But but that is not the fundamental of what baseball is supposed to be, as far as the way that the game was designed and structured. And yes, get, you know, 
sports change, sports evolve, whatever. But I think it's bad for baseball for it to be turning into what it's turned into. Let's talk about this for just a second because there was a Major League Baseball record tied this week. Tom Seaver's record. Mm-hmm. He struck out 10 batters in a row in a Major League Baseball game. Tom Seaver considered one of the all-time great pitchers. Mm-hmm. 70s legend. Is Aaron Nola, who is the guy that that tied that record, is he is he Tom Seaver of the yeah, future? Well, he may not be Tom Seaver, but Aaron Nola is a very, very, very fine Major League ball player. All-America at LSU, Philadelphia's top draft choice, and a guy who over the year, now he's not a newcomer to big league baseball. He's been around now for a couple of years. He has gradually improved his game as you do with top draft choices. That's what you expect them to do. Nola's fine pitcher. Uh, ten, 10 strikeouts, that may be, you know, just a, a quirk of his, the fact that he's a very good pitcher. My problem with that, and, and that and that is <clears throat> something that's very noteworthy, obviously. It ties the record that Seaver set. But you see pitchers coming up with 14, 15, 16 strikeouts in a game, maybe not on a, on a consistent basis, but guys who strike out 10, 11 in a game and so forth. They're notable achievements, but everybody is doing it. This year, when we have seven no-hitters this year. That's right. Yeah. It, it not become exclusive anymore, and it's because, sure, there are good pitchers out there, but there are also wretched hitters yes. who are attacking the baseball in exactly the wrong manner. Uh, and that's there. therein lies the problem. But in, as far as Nola <clears throat> being another Tom Seaver, he's, he's, he's a good pitcher. He's an all-star level pitcher. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. To your local live sports talk show. You're listening to four guys bitch about how bad baseball is these days. <laughs> My point, I'm not knocking Aaron Nola, but, you know, you see people break records over the last few years, and you know that that's probably maybe the highlight of their career. Is there going to be in a, in a record book with Tom Seaver? And at some point, 15, 20 years from now, if baseball is still around, somebody opens up that record book and they go, oh, I know Tom Seaver. Will they know Aaron Nolan? That, I mean, that's yet to be written, but you see that a lot with people with the things that are happening in the sport these days. You're not seeing the great names, but but they're not. There's no great hitters in the game anymore. The people that are held up in the game right now are guys that are basically average baseball hitters. They have a lot of power, though. Tatis, Guerrero, Otani, they're average hitters. They're they're Dave Kingman's there, you know, other guys like that that put the ball out of the park, but the batting average is not there. You're not seeing high batting averages anymore. No, when you, when you have a batter who is hitting at 280 and 290 and he's your top hitter and uh, you rely on him for the key base hits. Yeah. You know, the art of hitting is not what it should be. Babe Ruth, 342. Babe Ruth's a great hitter. Yes, he's a great home run hitter, but he's a great hitter, period. Ty Cobb, one of the scientific hitters of, of the best of all time. And we go to some of the current players who are, are really top level. And you mentioned George Brett. Heck, he batted 390. Brett right. could hit home runs, but he could also HIT, period. He was just a good, consummate baseball hitter. I'm going to retract one of my statements really quickly. I was going to say. Vlad Guerrero Jr. does have a very good batting average. I was going to correct you on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is a throwback. And look at who his father is. Vladimir yeah. Sr. swung at anything yeah, that was a, around the plate. He's a legit triple crown candidate. He is. He absolutely is. Brantley's having a good year, hitting 349. Castellanos is uh, 348. Mm-hmm. 
And then, but these are their game, their names. You don't hear Xander Bogarts having a good year at three twenty seven. There's, but there's so few guys over the top, over the three hundred list mm-hmm. right now. And, and Joe, they, one thing I want to point out real quick too, with just with the Cardinals as an example, and you can see this on every major league baseball team. Let's talk about Paul DeYoung. DeYoung is a great guy. He's got superb power. I covered him, interviewed him dozens of times here in Springfield. Great guy. He's batting 160. Tell me another era of baseball where you can look at every major league baseball team, save the Astros, and see that somebody's batting under 200 halfway through the season and hasn't lost their job. And that's the point. And he's still yeah. a regular, and he's still the shortstop on the team. I think what the Cardinals are doing, I'm, I'm guessing this to be the case, is thinking this is a fluke, that he's going to come out of it, and, of course, every so often he'll hit a home run, and that's it. He won't do anything more. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think therein lies the problem. If that continues, no, I think something drastic has to happen. I'm going to give you another example, though. Go through, Joe, go through the Cardinals stats, or do you have them right Yeah, I can pull them up here really quickly. Um, Here's a guy that Cardinals got for hitting. Paul Goldschmidt. Mm -hmm. He's a great player, great guy, very, very good defensive ball player. What is he hitting right now? Uh, About 250, 260, somewhere around there. He's going to come up with an occasional hit, but where is the consistency? Mm-hmm. Arenado's at the top of the list. Two sixty nine is what he's hitting right now, and, the, and, and let's just talk. That's a great pickup for the Cardinals because oh, yes. he's triple crown right now for them on the team, leading and hitting. But his the top hitter for the Cardinals two sixty nine. It's that's not good. Yeah. But yeah, 50, where is where's Goldschmidt? Goldschmidt is he is hitting maybe two fifty five something like that. Bring that up real quick here and see if I can. He, I know he's not. Always very, fascinating to listen to guys try to find two fifty three. All right, hitting two fifty three. That's not Goldschmidt. That's not mm-hmm. what they got him for. They got him to be a three hundred hitter. He plays his defense. Arnado, they got for what he's doing. That's what he is very, very good at doing. He's a long ball hitter. That's why he's there. He's also an utterly magnificent defensive <laughs> player. Maybe. Yeah. And is he betting again? I'm going to bring up my. Hero Mike Schmidt at third base. Is he at that caliber? Uh, he may be better than Mike Schmidt. Wow. I, I'll even put Brooks Robinson in that conversation. He may be better than Brooks Robinson, he's which not, I never He's no Craig Nettles, say. though. But you're saying, <laughs> he's, saying he, he batted, he's batting 269. Yes, that is right. But his power is why they yes. got him. What are, do you have, uh, put up Arnado's RBIs here again? See where he's he leading the team in RBIs, is what I saw just a second and ago. And this is for a team that doesn't put anybody on base. Mm-hmm. How many does he have? 49, did you say? No. I'm sorry. No, 22. That's, 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 that's his a- home statistics, though. No, no I, sorry, has, 49. I'm yeah, 49. 49. 49 yeah, RBIs. Okay, that's that's good. It's not great, but it's certainly good. Yeah, it, and it's it's, a, it's for a team that doesn't put anybody on base. <laughs> this is this guy is worth every every Project dollar. him out though. Project him out for the season if he stays healthy, you're looking at 30 plus home runs, you're looking at 100 110 RBIs on the season. That's a that's a really decent year. I mean, it's, that's, it's a fine year. I have no problem with him at all, but I do with Paul Goldschmidt because mm-hmm. he's trying to equal that. He's not a home run hitter. He'll hit an occasional one, yes. Mm-hmm. Same with Paul DeYoung. I think he is swinging the bat wrong. He's not making contact. And this is for a guy who can play the game. Mm-hmm. It just is the wrong approach. Let's talk about everybody's favorite Cardinal, Matt Carpenter, <laughs> hitting 178. 
Three home runs, 17 runs batted in. Look and when's see right gonna, there, Joe. Gonna, look, and, look, and what, look and see what the number of hits he has in the times <laughs> at bat. That's where, you get, uh, yeah. of course, your batting average out of that. But he was, at one time this year, he's around 130 mm-hmm. and 140. So he's hiked it up a little bit. And he is also in the situation now with so few times at bat that every time he gets one hit, it raises that average maybe 10 points or something like exactly. that. So it's very misleading. 21 yeah. hits on the season. In how many times at bat? Uh, 118. Ooh, boy. Oof. And Oof. he's getting 18 million bucks for that, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why, why are they holding on to him? That's a good question. Now, let's, let's consider where we are in the season. Not quite the halfway point yet. I think the halfway point, if I think it's Wednesday or Thursday, I think. Is that, does that sound That's right? That's correct, yes. Okay. Traditionally, the halfway point's the all-star break, but it's way beyond that. Mm-hmm. Halfway point. I think the Cardinals are going to have to sit down as Alok, who is general manager and the uh, president of baseball. He's everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know who this other guy is, Gersh, and what he does. I have no <laughs> idea. But Mosellock calls the shots. He's going to have to sit down with the brass and say, this is where we are. We're right now seven games out of first place. Three games under 500. We're almost at the halfway point. It is time to let go of the dead wood, quote, yes. end quote. Now, whether or not that happens, whether or not they have the ability to do that, because they'll have to eat his contract from there on in. They're going to pay him $18 million regardless. Can they trade him? Hell no. Nobody's going to take somebody like that. What, what good is he? And this may be an unpopular opinion among Cardinal fans, but I'll be honest, there needs to be a change at the hitting coach level. Uh, Jeff Albert, in my opinion, you've seen now five to six years of the Cardinals maxing out with an offensive player having 20, 22 home runs and 80 RBIs leading the team. Arenado is a different player this year. But overall, I don't feel Jeff Albert is a competent hitting coach. There's other options out there. Well, by competent, you're not you're not making reference to the fact that he doesn't know the game. No, it's, no, no, it's no, his no. Approach it's different. his approach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. I have to agree. I absolutely agree. And he's not the only team that needs some restructuring. The whole concept of baseball needs to be changed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Old guys bitching about baseball. <laughs> we'll come back in a minute. We'll chat about, uh, we'll, we'll bitch about football next. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. We're back. This time we're going to turn our attention to football <laughs> and talk about that for a little bit. Let's uh, let's start in the world of the Kansas City Chiefs. And you talk about boneheads. Talk about guys doing stupid things. Frank Clark. Yeah. Well, the, it's easy for the media to get down on him. And, and when you take a look at all the surface stories that are involved, it's pretty much difficult to not get on the guy. What on earth is the man doing? He, I don't know how much he makes, maybe $15, $20 million, somewhere around there. He's a very good football player. Yes, he is. But you carry a Uzi submachine gun in your car, and there are four other people in that car with him at 3 in the morning? Now, gang, I don't care what the circumstances are, that is not a good situation. Then he gets pulled over. Fortunately for him and the others, they did not get into a confrontation, nothing like that. But you do have that concealed weapon. Okay, 
you can have in, in Missouri, for instance, this would be uh, at the max, I think the max is a year in jail and a $1,000 fine. Assuming that's the first time. Uh-huh. Frank Clark's situation, he was arrested three <laughs> months earlier for the same thing. Right. Got kicked out at Michigan, at University of Michigan when he was there. The track record is very much less than good. What happens to him? Well, you know, Kansas City, first of all, the NFL will have, first of all, the the legal, the United States judicial <laughs> system will have something to say, then the NFL, then the Kansas City Chiefs. I would imagine that, I'm guessing this, don't have any insight into it at all, but if he sees much time with the Chiefs, I'd be very surprised. Well, what do you think? Do you think the Chiefs just cut their losses and let him go? I don't know, because you're letting go of, uh, I don't, he has certainly a guaranteed portion of his contract. You can cut those guys and don't have to pay them, mm-hmm. except for the guaranteed portion. I don't know what the guaranteed circumstances are with Clark, but uh, you'd almost have to. You can't, you can't field an individual like that and have a good public reaction from it. Well, I, I, I think just on the the dollars and cents portion of it, how are you going to go into the season with a guy that may be looking at jail time? Let's face it, he's an athlete, probably won't get jail time. Right. Because it's been the special, special rules for special people. <laughs> and But he probably will face a suspension from the NFL. I'm kind of surprised because the Chiefs have moved fairly quickly on a lot of stuff that's happened lately. But this, they, they stayed pretty quiet so far. I think there's a reason why that first of all he's not guilty until proven so he's innocent until proven guilty and uh, while it's alleged and while he was arrested and while he did have to post $35,000 bond there still has been nothing judicial that's come down yet about this so I think they're probably waiting till something like that happens and maybe they are waiting for some secret agent to come along and say the man is really innocent he didn't have didn't know what was going on well, come on <laughs> we'll see we'll see how that works out but again i'll be very surprised if he plays much this year can we look at the bigger issue that we're calmly discussing someone having an uzi submachine gun in their car there <laughs> were probably two, should there were two people that should have uzi submachine guns soldiers and extras in the movie scarface <laughs> you have no reason to have a submachine gun in your car well, I mean, all that aside, I mean, it's just, it's, for me, it's it's such a bonehead move. It is. I mean, this guy is a, he's a millionaire. He mm-hmm. plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's out at three in the morning with a, any, you know, if he's concerned about, if he's concerned about his safety, don't be out. Mm-hmm. If you're concerned about your safety, there are legal remedies for that that you Correct. can go through that don't infringe on your on your Second Amendment rights or any way like that, so I I don't I don't get what this guy's doing. I mean, I just don't. What's the purpose? What? Why is <laughs> he's got his head is up his butt? Everybody's well, sitting there. Everybody's shaking their heads at the same I'm time. I'm sure there is a reason why he had a bit machismo, right? Yes. Macho bravado. No, That's all it's it probably is. more than that, guys. It's probably something that is bordering on the. Illegal. Uh, the, uh, yes. Yeah, and it's unfair to even brand somebody in that category. But mm-hmm. the fact of the matter remains, there is really zero excuse for having something like that well, happen to you. to your point, Joe, if you look at the entertainment industry, uh, celebrities hire bodyguards. 
professional athletes don't be, and that's part of their ego their their macho bravado they're like hey i'm a big professional athlete i can bench press 400 pounds nobody's gonna mess with me but then they go out in these situations and think i'm gonna carry a submachine gun with me <laughs> just for the fun of it just to show off to my buddies i you know the that the whole attitude of that is so misplaced and you see it so much in professional sports now you know what who was it a few, not even well, it was a few years ago that went to a nightclub with a gun in his sweatpants and ended up shooting himself in the. That was an NBA player. That was, that was uh, an NBA. Player. That was Plaxico Burris. Oh, oh yeah, no, that, that was, was a, that was a football NFL player. player. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that was stupid. When, yeah, when are you guys? <laughs> yes. I mean, like Joe said, it, if you're really concerned that you're going to need a gun when you go out, don't go out. <laughs> well, what you know? Again, Ned, and Ned's a journalist. Weird guys that sit and talk, right? <laughs> and so, and so, Ned. Well, he's, he's he's my degree is not in journalism, but you are, but you you hold that you hold that in high regard, being a journalist. But I must where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, what is he's out at three a.m. <laughs> three other guys, with the submachine gun in his car. What were they doing? What was their plan? What was the plan? Where were they going? I mean, you're not going down to. The convenience store because somebody was hungry for Twinkies. Right, and, uh, they weren't. Well, going, they may have been. But they weren't going to Denny's. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's. Hey, guys, let's go to Denny's. Wait, Hang wait, on. wait. Let me grab my submachine gun. Let me gun grab my Uzi before we first. go. I've been, been in some rough Denny's. <laughs> Actually, no. You, you guys are are being flipped about it, but there are zero reasons why that's any exactly. good at all. None. There is no legitimate excuse for having that. That's why I say if he's if he plays it all for the Chiefs this year, it'll be only by the grace of the Chiefs and by the grace of the NFL because this is, hey, you're bordering on doing something here. And, and furthermore, what kind of an image are you presenting? Here you right. are making a lot of money. You're a big-time pro athlete, and you're doing something like this? Man, you need help. Charles Barkley, I'm not a role model. Well, he Don't. does that. He, he does that just to be controversial. He knows <laughs> what he is. He knows what his... Aura is, as far as the public's concerned, he's just promoting himself when he says that. He knows fully well that he's a model. Look, look at some of the commercials he does. Uh, the when the little kid picks him for the bed. <laughs> hey, I'm back. You know, <laughs> hey, that stuff is funny. And he's saying things just to be whimsical. Yes. Hey, Barkley's no dumbbell. He's no. a smart guy. No, no, not at all. Not at all. He's a very, very intelligent guy. But th this is an overall problem that we've seen in sports. I mean, I, it goes way back. Yeah. It just is the fact that a lot of these... A lot of things happen now that we know more about. The gentleman's agreement between the athletes and between the journalists doesn't exist anymore. Correct. And so we see a lot of things that happen. But, I mean, there's just certain things that you throw into the, you're being a bonehead. You're just completely being an idiot to do some of the things that these guys are doing. And there's no good reason for it. There's the problem. There, the reasoning, there is none. Other than the fact that you think you can skirt the law, you think you can do something maybe for whomever, because there were, what, I think two or three other guys with him in this car. What What is this? What What are you doing? Is it something illegal? Were you bordering on maybe, I'm just using this as an example, is there a drug hit coming in, something like that? Whatever it is, there are three things, three reasons, and none of them are any good. Mm. Young men with a lot of money. Yes. Maybe too much money. Yeah, maybe yeah. too much money. That's, and that's no, different. And no one to structure their life 
from the time that they started making that money. Let's uh, switch gears and talk about the other real major story in the NFL this week, and it's Carl. And you're going to have to help me with this. Nasib is that how you pronounce his last mm-hmm. name? Nasib. Nasib. Carl. Nassib. Oh, 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 oh! The guy from the uh, Oakland or the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, came out as Nassib. being. He came out as being gay this week. He is the first active NFL player to ever come out as being homosexual, and uh, so far. And the big names in the NFL have been very supportive and responsive. And his jersey has been the top seller mm-hmm. in the NFL <laughs> since this happened. Nice. But um, wh- wh- what do you think? I mean, what's your what's your thoughts? Doesn't doesn't face. Hey, guy can do what he wants. Exactly. If if, if his life is diverse to what I assume these other guys and me are, that's fine. Mm-hmm. He wants to do it. Leave me alone. It's not uh, not something that you can you can adjudicate. Nothing like that. He wants to come out. I do object to everybody. Oh, how brave this man! Come on, man. So I'm straight. Ned Rouse is straight. Hey, he's brave for admitting. Come on. Well, people. no, I, I I'm going to have to disagree with you on that because just culturally, how we look at people who are gay, it is, is nobody's business. It is not. It is nobody's business. But it is such a it's such a tough. He's opening himself up for so many things that are going to happen. For all the voices that come out in support of him, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of voices that will call him names. And there will be guys at the bottom of the pile that will say things to him. There will be guys that will secretly whisper, I don't want a locker with him anymore. I don't want to be... I don't want to be in a locker room with him. I don't want to be on the field with him because I don't know. I mean, we saw this with Magic Johnson. I mean, when he mm-hmm. came out that he had AIDS, there, there were people like, hey, I'm not playing basketball with this guy. These are personal decisions. Yeah. They are nobody else's. It's nobody else's. Well, I'm, I'm surprised the guy even came out. Nobody cares. You mm-hmm. Do what you want. Well, you want people to, care. People do care. I don't. Well, I'm, but I'm I, I, I don't think you, I don't think you can look at I don't think you can look at the world through your own myopic vision. I mean, and I'm not criticizing you for that. Uh, everybody does that for a, a, a time. You may not care, but there's a lot of people out there that do care, one but way or another. If that's the case, Joe, why make it public? Well, I all think, you're going to do is create uh, controversy and discussion and things like when a person's private. Uh, life of whatever the case might be is nobody else's business. Here's how I look at it, Ned. It it is a it is a fresh example of representation, and that's why he came out because the the LGBTQ community is looking for more representation. They're looking for more acceptance. They that's what they're doing, and so for a player like this at the top level of this sport to come out and say I am gay. That puts a pin so that other people that are gay can say, I feel more represented by this person being open about their sexuality. And it doesn't affect the game. It shouldn't affect these players because they're all adults and they should understand what you're saying. What you're doing in your personal life is none of my business. And as, as a football player, we're playing football and it should be fine. But he will receive criticism. He will receive more negative press than he deserves but that is the reason that he came out is to to represent people that are the same inclination as him. well uh, sure and that's fine but why do they need representation we're all americans we all uh, uh, follow the same rules the uh, constitution is there for everybody all men are created equal and it that's a 
a, a, a form of verbiage that includes everybody. Men and women are created equal. <clears throat> but why why do we need certain groups to be represented like that? Well, because, because they haven't been in the past, and they and because but they of don't the need because, to be of, because we're all together. Well, and I see where you're coming from, but, but but what I'm saying is those people for countless years have felt like they weren't part of that. That's and their so, feeling. Well, and and but there has been there has but been that's evidence truth, to though. back it up. The the hate crimes that have been perpetrated against all these groups have fostered that need for them to have the acceptance that they're now starting to get in these circumstances. And just the fact that you're viewing the world through your own white male Protestant view. And when you do that, you know, we don't have the same view. We're all three white male Protestants, more or less. We, that's <laughs> the background that we grew up in. And so when you view the world through that background... You don't go, well, why does somebody need more representation? Why do they need, why does that need to come out? And I think it's not so much important that this guy comes out. It's important for, there's a kid out there somewhere at some point that's like, you know, I love football, but I, I'm also, I don't, I, I don't feel like everybody else. And he can choose a path that he wants to go down now, or she wants to go down that maybe they didn't feel was open to them. At right. that point in their life, and it's the same thing as breaking the color barrier in a certain in a certain regard. It's not the same, but it's in the same category. Anyway, we'll come back with a roundtable discussion, which is about what might have been. It's on Ned Talk on one hundred four point seven, The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on one hundred four point seven, The Cave. Part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. We're here on a steamy, steamy Sunday afternoon chatting about sports, watching some soccer. Some interesting, uh, some interesting things happening in the soccer match on the pitch on this Sunday. What is this that's going on, Josh? What is? What are we watching here? Oh wait, 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 wait. Oh, there you go. These now are the Euro Championships. So these are all the European teams. Uh, a big tournament to determine the the European champion. It's it's kind of like a World Cup qualifier, but not really. Well, what I'm seeing is Czechoslovakia is up on the Ned Reynolds-sponsored team, which made a poor <laughs> uniform choice with it, the bright orange jersey. I like the orange. Their it's fans the are really depressed. John. Oh, the Netherlands. The, okay. I, I just saw Ned. The Netherlands. It does say, it does say Ned on there any day, and that's because the, the, the European pronunciation is Nederlande. That's yes, the Netherlands. Yes, that's and right. It is N-E-D. Which uh, means Ned's land. Ned's land. That's right. But Ned is not Dutch. <laughs> But he goes Dutch frequently. So. Let's, go to our, all the time. Let's, go our, let's go to our roundtable discussion this week, which is what might have been. And I guess the place for me to start with that would be Mickey Mantle. Uh, we were talking about Mickey off the oh, air. Yes. Not the pleasant side of Mickey Mantle. But, um, you know, he was clocked at 3-5 from the right side of the plate, 3-0 from the left side of the plate. And that means his speed from... Home to first, which means almost any ball that he hit into play, he it was either going to be close or he was going to be safe. Mm-hmm. But the the well known story the the, <laughs> the drainage 
culvert in the outfield of Yankee Stadium, and he um, hit that and tore up his knee and was and never had quite the same speed. What exactly? What might have been with with Mickey Mantle? What extraordinary numbers could we have seen? If those things hadn't happened to him. He already had 536 Mm -hmm. career home runs, one of the all-time greats. He's a Hall of Famer. Would it have been different? Uh, Probably a little bit more, but I think it would have been marginal because he achieved pretty well, guys, with what he did. Oh, he did. Even as an injured player. Uh, The one who sticks out in my mind, this is going to resonate poorly with you guys, is Sam Bowie. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. In college, Sam Bowie was a big, Mm -hmm. big, big big-time star at Kentucky. He is... He's drafted up in the NFL, and then he had all these ankle injuries and leg injuries and all this problem, which he, he never really did achieve any kind of great fame. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you another one who might surprise you a little bit, who could have been, in my opinion, a better player. He's already pretty good with Bill Walton. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. oh, Absolutely. Wow. He had all these problems with his mm-hmm. legs, and a lot of that theory, this is theory now, had to do with the fact that he uh, was vegan and, uh, you know, practiced an alternate lifestyle in terms of his diet and things yes. like that. And kind, kind of a radical thinker. But, but his lifestyle being so different from what you normally achieve with a, with a training table diet and all that sort of thing may have cost him. That was the theory. Hmm. But regardless of that, he never really made it as a pro. He's good, but not great, as he might have been had he been fully healthy. Since we're talking about what might have been one, and this is a tragic case of this, obviously, one that still is a little hard for me to talk about because it was in my youth. Um, A lot of people probably don't remember Lynn Bias, who was the number one draft choice for the Boston Celtics back in the mid-80s. He was a hugely talented player coming out of Maryland. Mm -hmm. And for those that don't know the story, unfortunately, the, the night, I think, of the draft or after uh, died of a cocaine overdose and you know i think the celtics felt that reverberation for a decade at least in kind of taking a step backwards we talk about baseball one of the big ones that also is hard for me to talk about would be um oscar taveras you know a young man that i covered a lot here in springfield and had a very high regard for you know showed flashes of brilliance in the postseason against the giants when the cardinals went down to them in the NLCS and then unfortunately lost his life when his car skidded out of control in his native country and and died. And it cost the club. Yes. It cost the club uh, immeasurably over the years uh, that Tavares could have been a big star. Yeah, he was a fine player. Yes, he Absolutely was. Absolutely outstanding player. Young, probably too young <laughs> and too wealthy for his own safety mm-hmm. because he's one of these guys who's invulnerable. Yes. Was he 20 or 21 when he uh, suffered the uh, auto accident fatal? Yeah, he was a little older than that. I think he was 23, but still very young. And Jordano Ventura is another one for the Royals that same unfortunately thing. ended the same way. Same thing. Youth, 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 and the fact that youth has a lot of money. And, uh, you know, that's the nature of the society that we live in now, where you're going to pay uh, Fort Knox to get some of these guys. But are they mature enough to handle it? And Mm -hmm. the answer is, in many cases, no. Josh? I've got two. I've got one one in pro football and one in college football. Pro football's Bo Jackson. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Bo Jackson <laughs> yeah. was the biggest stud in in the NFL and MLB. Mm-hmm. There's a great highlight of him playing for the Royals where he runs at a dead sprint out to the outfield, <laughs> runs up the side of the wall and back down. 
I mean, the guy was just, he was an amazing athlete. And then he had that degenerative hip thing that mm. I was watching the game where, where, where he was, it was the Raiders versus the Bengals. And he just got casually tackled on the sideline. And then he, that was it. I'm like, what happened? That didn't look bad. It was the most benign play that could possibly happen. He was tackled and down and then. And the back of his hip just crumbled, you know, and that was the end of Bo Jackson's career. Uh, In college football, as an Alabama fan, um, in the the 90s, I believe, they had a player named Tyrone Prothrow, who Mm. was the best wide receiver I have ever seen them have. He caught everything. And that year, he I think he was a sophomore, that year uh, when they were playing in the SEC championship game against Florida, he went up for a ball in the end zone. And when he came down, the the uh, D-back was on at his waist, grabbed him by the waist, and he landed wrong and broke both the bones in his leg. And I think he tried to play the next year or maybe the year after and just couldn't, wasn't there. But that guy, that's a definitely a what could have been for me. Johnny Manziel? <laughs> no. <laughs> Tim Tebow? No, those guys don't count because no, they, I, they were both uh, both played the game. They may not have been the great stars that they thought they were going to be, but it wasn't some kind of a catastrophic circumstance that knocked them out. But there there are others, and the list goes on as mm-hmm. as you go down through the, the sports calendar and, and annals as they are. Uh, I, Roger Federer, for one, right now. Oh, yes. He's one of the great, all-time great tennis players, and he's bothered by a knee injury. Yep. It happens. These are physical sports in mm-hmm. which circumstances like that happen. But what might have been, it's all subjective, of course, because there are any number of individuals, and, and you see them with each era that comes along. There are mm-hmm. people who fall into that category. You guys pointed out some very good ones, though. Your Donald Ventura of Kansas City really is a sad story. He was, Tavares was probably going to be, but Ventura, Ventura was. already was. Yeah. The kid for the Marlins who uh, passed away in the boating accident. Uh, oh, Jose Fernandez. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about yeah. him. Absolutely. Could have been a great. Thurman Munson's a guy that comes uh. to mind. We talked about Lyman Bostock in the past. Mm-hmm. Even Roberto Clemente. I mean, his yes. career was not over. Where was Clemente going to go from there? Right. So Here's a guy. You talk about poetic injustice. He gets his 3,000th hit on the last day of the season, then passes away in that winter. Good. Mm-hmm. A lot of humanitarian trip, too, nonetheless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Too. Humanitarian. Um, and equal representation for all sports. This is one you'll remember, Josh, um, in hockey, and this is a different kind of tragedy. Um, Danny Heatley, who oh, yeah. was a young superstar by all accounts, was going to be a Hall of Famer, uh, got into a car accident with a teammate of his. I can't remember his teammate's name, and his teammate died because he was intoxicated driving them home. And that weighed on him heavily for the rest of his NHL career. He had a good career, but I think without that, he he's somebody that we talk about in the same vein with the greats. We'll come back and wrap up the show in just a minute. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Steamy and warm this afternoon. Thunderstorms likely. There's a thunderstorm warning south of here for Stone, Taney, and Christian counties. And to answer your question, Ned, Steve Carlton won Cy Young Awards 72, 77, 80, and 82. Oh, he spaced us out, yeah. 
Yeah, Triple Crown winner in 1972. We're talking about Jacob deGrom while we're off the air. Looks like he's on track to win his third consecutive Cy Young if nothing happens to his Uh arm, which is always the fear that you have with a guy that throws as hard as he does that you're going to see some sort of injury. So, you know, hopefully he'll stay healthy. Let me just throw a a little note of caution to what you said there. You're right. He does Uh throw hard, but he has been throwing hard for now three years, and he's made it work. Obviously, he has that technique. Same with a guy like Adam Wainwright, who does not throw hard, but snaps off that big uh, Uncle Charlie curveball. Well, he knows how to do it, and he's not putting the strain on his on his tendons at all. Mm-hmm. There are methods, there are techniques to learning how to do these things, and these guys have mastered those techniques. They know what to do. Not saying that throwing the ball hard is an error, nor hitting long balls. It is how you do it. It is the technique and the consistency with which you follow through. Your elbow has to be above your shoulder. That's how you protect your elbow. That's what we taught our kids. Mm. Yes, exactly. So uh, we're at the end of the show, and we always talk... uh, about what we're going to watch this afternoon, Ned. What are you going to uh, What are you going to partake in? Well, that's a good question. If I had the uh, the Cardinals and Pirates, I'd probably watch that, but I don't have it in my system, so I will Aww. not be. <laughs> no, it's, no, I'm just fine without it. Uh, but there will be something I, I can't specifically tell you what may watch the end of the Olympic trials coming up, though. I'm inter- interested to see how the this is the final day for the track and field trials and really the final day for all of qualifying. There may be some more some of the gymnastics going on up in St. Louis, but I want to see how our U.S. Olympic team fits into the scope of things and i think it's going to be in all phases pretty good mm-hmm. what about you john um i don't know that i'll be watching anything but a nice local plug uh my children and my wife and i are going to go to the missouri sports hall of fame it'll be my wife's first time going and she is very excited about it so i'm looking forward to taking my my lovely bride there for the first time she wow. will she will enjoy it very much because it is very well yes done. it is and what about you, sir? Uh, today, I don't think I'm going to be watching much as far as sports, but the Stanley Cup Finals start tomorrow evening, and my favorite team, the Montreal Canadiens, made it in, and yeah, they have to play Tampa Bay, <laughs> who did, is really good. Yes. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. The uh, The finals are set for the NHL, Tampa mm-hmm. Bay, and the Canadiens, one of the original teams, yeah, is the original in. six. And uh, we were, we talked a lot off the air, and we don't give the NBA as much love as we should, but the NBA... It, the finals have been very exciting Fantastic. and some really good teams, the Clippers and uh, the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, they look good. Looks like the Suns are going to make it all the way in. And then on the other side of that, we're at one, one with the Bucks <laughs> and the Hawks. Atlanta Hawks. Yeah. Well, so. back to the media, Joe, just remember Trey Young's game doesn't translate to the pro level. Oh, stop it. You guys <laughs> stop it with your media hating. I really, I really get tired of that. Come on. I'm going to watch the Red Sox sweep the Yankees and lament about that oh, the rest of the no. day. Sorry. So we're going to take next week off for 4th of July. So we want to tell everybody, please don't shoot your eye out and uh, be safe and have a happy 4th, Ned. Thank you. That's very nice. You have a happy 4th as well. John, happy 4th. Thank you. You as well. Josh, happy 4th. Happy 4th. I hope we all come back with all of our fingers. Yes, me too. (laughs) Thanks to everybody, including Corbin Campbell, Scott Meyer, Mike the Intern. We'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. If you're just tuning in, download the podcast at 1047thecave.com. You can also download it through your cave app, and you can download it wherever you get your podcasts at. Remember, those tickets are on sale right now for Mitch Holtis. 
He's going to be here July 22nd for our happy hour with the Chiefs.